0: jam. Don't give him a basketball, cause if he misses he'll say oops, jam blue. And as always, I'm your host, Larry. you for having me Larry it's a pleasure yeah the pleasure is all yours as Jesse the body Ventura would say (laughs) uh so sports is sort of happening but not really there's sports tv there's the last dance the uh the docuseries about the bulls last year with the whole Jordan Pippen crew the 97 98 season have you seen it
1: I haven't yet but i'm definitely going to um it's not Amelia's not a big fan of the sports yeah so uh, um that one's going to be a side watch this is going me, to have to be um,
0: alone time yeah
1: it's it's funny though cuz i still listen to you know the daily sports podcasts and simmons every week and stuff like that so i'm actually like caught up yeah i mean i know kind of where they are what's happening right now what everyone's saying about it, because that's the only sports to talk about besides the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that people were, like, releasing podcasts the next day with, like, hot takes. By the way, I'm playing a little serious. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is, I think, a little much. It was good. Like, is it going to be the greatest documentary ever? I don't know. It was enjoyable. I I certainly enjoyed watching it, especially in this period of sportsless time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... They couldn't have picked a better time to launch this.
0: Yeah. I like, think they were going so to launch different. it after the NBA season, and then this kind of got them to, uh, I think they moved it up because of the dearth of sports.
1: Right, right. But, I mean, just the fact that they've been sitting on this footage for over 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then they, they're they like, oh, well, let's launch it in 2020, and then, oh, it just so happens to be, you know, a three-month period with zero sports happening. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Like, so I'm guessing you heard some of stuff. Like, one of the big things that was focused on is just how little Scotty Pippen was making. He was was getting under two million a year.
1: I mean, I knew it kind of at the time, but not not really. I am shocked. Like, just utterly shocked at that. Yeah. Like how just how like he was the hundred and twenty something highest-paid player in the NBA or something. Yeah.
0: Some ridiculous number. 122nd, I believe, during that last year. Which is... I I know the contracts were smaller then, but still, 122nd when he's easily a top 10 player at that time. Unbelievable.
1: No, it's crazy. And I mean, the one thing, I guess he had the bad rookie contract, which his agent you know, kind of screwed him on. And then to try and get out of that, he... He was like he took an extension early, but then this like really long, kind of crappy extension, and it's sort of yeah, that was that was just terrible work by him. And I mean, I get it; the Bulls screwed him over too, but I Mm -hmm. mean, it's a little bit on him, right? Like, come on. I
0: mean, he knew. Yeah, he he took it. I don't know if you heard about this. That like he was living, his uh, dad was disabled, and one of his brothers had an accident that left him disabled. So he had he and he came from a family with ten kids, something enormous like that, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of taking care of all of them. So he wanted the assurance that he was going to get this money up front, um, so that he could cover some medical bills. Um, So it's understandable as someone who like grew up dirt poor that he would like thought that.
1: Yeah. And I guess it, it, it makes sense. Um, I can understand that on the first contract and adding on, I guess it's the number of years. Cause he was so young when he signed, you know, like that seven year, six or seven year contract. Right. right? And he had no injury history. So it's kind of like, that's the big contract you like, you take the extra years when you're in your mid thirties or mm-hmm. whatever versus. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to say now, wow, that you know, salary cap was going up and yeah. every everyone was going to make more and more money, but from his perspective, you know, it was hard. He couldn't, yeah, he couldn't know that for sure. Yeah. So,
0: and eventually, he did get his payday uh, with the Rockets. So he he ended up making about a hundred million over the course of his career. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely was screwed and hated Jerry Krause for it. I think like he he knew he took the extension and accepted it, but then they were saying that during that last year he was like berating him on the bus rides on the team bus rides they didn't have any footage of that but that would have been that would have been pretty great that,
1: yeah and nowadays I feel like someone would just force their way out or yeah, he would have forced held the out team or something to, yeah I think the players have a little bit more power now even though it's weird because they've kind of lost the last Few collective bargaining agreements, mm-hmm. but they have like the stars. I think have more power.
0: Yeah, now. for sure. Yeah, and I think he tried to get himself traded that season. Was holding out even beyond uh, the time he was rehabbing from surgery. But I'm guessing he just felt enough pressure that he had to come back. And Michael was probably pressuring him. But today, yeah, you would have pulled a Kawhi Leonard or something.
1: That's yeah, I- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how much things have changed, and it's only been, you know, 20 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, and it does seem like, I mean, for us, we grew up watching these games. I mean, I don't remember them crystal clear, but it doesn't feel like that long ago.
1: No. What I remember most about that era is there just weren't that many games, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they, you know, they would play a game on the weekends or what they would televise games once you know a few times a week yeah. or whatever, but but you definitely didn't have, you know, near the number of games available to watch.
0: You mean televised games. Yeah, televised yeah.
1: games. Yeah. Obviously they played the same number season wise, but yeah, it was it's crazy now how much access you have. Like it's yeah.
0: Yeah. And how I think aware fans are of contracts and the way they follow GM moves and trades, that wasn't as big right. a thing back then.
1: Very true. Very, very true. true. But right. yeah, it seems like uh, Jerry Krause is not
0: right. <laughs> no. And, like and, have, and he died I mean, like a couple years ago, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it seems like he was hated by the players uh, and Phil. Uh, but he obviously made some smart moves trading up to get that mm-hmm. Pippin pick, taking Pippin fifth. I don't know where he was ranked at the time, but... It was out of this like tiny school, no one had ever heard of Central Arkansas, right?
1: Yeah. And that was a time, you know, when people weren't necessarily scouting all the way to Central Arkansas, <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, now they're scouting all the way to you know different foreign countries and all that. And back then, there were still some inefficiencies in the market. So I think, yeah, Pippin was under the radar. I don't like. I used to watch a lot of college basketball mm-hmm. back in the days. I don't remember if oh, no. ever did yeah. anything, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, scouting, the the advancement of scouting uh, in Europe as well. I mean, Jerry Krauss was on top of that too with Tony Kukoc. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah, exactly. a good GM, though probably an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, speaking of GM moves, uh, there are rumblings that the Knicks are going to bring Melo back for retirement season. A retirement tour season. Um, I mean rumblings, like nobody knows, nobody's said anything, but uh, I think Mark Berman of the New York Post said it's like an eighty percent chance or something like that. Um, or a virtual lock, he said. Uh it's cool. I like mellow. I know you're a big mellow fan.
1: I'm a I'm a mellow truther a, to the to the end, man. Yeah. To the end.
0: He was the one behind 9-11. nine eleven. <laughs> no, is that not what
1: it means? <laughs> no, I just mean like I really, I don't know. I, I really feel like in the right environment, he would have been a multi-time champion in the mm. in the NBA, like with the right teammates and stuff like that. And I and granted, decisions were made. In his case, he wasn't even you know dirt poor like Scottie Pippen's family yeah. when he was making decisions to make an extra ten million here and there, right? Yeah, like he, yeah, he. He definitely made some financial decisions that cost him chances to win.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, like forcing his way out of Denver uh, to be traded a year early rather than signing in free agency with the Knicks. Um, Even though the Knicks didn't really have much cap room anyway, but he cost them Gallinari and Wilson Chandler and some pieces that probably would have helped, but that obviously would have helped them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then they, then they tried to dig their way out and then they made, you know, the... Awful, awful Bargnani trade. Oh, God. And these other things. Because they just, yeah, they, everything was a panic move after that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, and, the Bargnani trade is the height of terrible Knicks GM moves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that's indefensible. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was, yeah. I think mean, it was
0: bad in the moment. It wasn't like, even though Bargnani was still sort of young, I think he was maybe like, Two years or three years removed from being the first overall pick, it was just still a terrible trade. And that was, as you said, a panic move. They were like, "We're we have Mello. We have to try something. We have to uh, right. do something." Like and and totally being dishonest with themselves about how close they were to a title.
1: Right, and and what his potential was yeah. like with Mello, they were never going to get a, a first overall. Pick in the draft, obviously, right. and so they're like, "Oh, Barnani, Well, we can't <laughs> pick first, but this guy's a former number one overall. Yeah. He's gonna, you know, he maybe he's just in the wrong system right now. Like we've got, oh, that was that was that was terrible.
0: Just terrible, terrible, terrible. I my memory of him will always be, I forget what game it was. I should look this up, but he he has uh, Knicks are up. He has the ball with like maybe twenty seconds to go, and there's like. Like fifteen to twenty seconds left on the shot clock, and he starts taking a shot, and Tyson Chandler is in front of him, like waving his arms, like no, don't shoot, like to run out the shot clock, and he just shoots it anyway. Knicks end up losing. Uh,
1: Yeah, he was he was catastrophic, but I so so I I I'm with like everyone who blames like Melo for some of these things that happen because of his decisions financially, but I. I think that he's he was a transcendent talent. Like yeah. I I mean he and in his time, like sure. the way the game is played now, maybe not so much unless he, you know, got a little better from three point range and, and so forth. But in terms of isolation scoring and that game, like he
0: he was great at that. Yeah, he was. I mean, he had a great like step back move and uh he when we didn't know that long twos were bad he was a transcendent talent exactly yeah. and
1: and he was also really good at the very end of games like the mm-hmm. you know those the game winning shots or whatever like he was he was always one of the best and highest percentage at those cuz he's like yeah it doesn't matter if it's an iso shot i'm always taking iso shots yeah. so <laughs> he can, does that yeah first quarter
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly so so yeah, the the Olympic mellow that we you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we saw, I think that could have been the you know regular mellow with just one other really good player with him. Like when he was with Rashid, that mm-hmm. I don't know that that
0: team, the twenty twelve team,
1: yeah, the twenty twelve thirteen team. If they if Rashid hadn't gotten hurt, now granted, Rashid was a little bit older at that time, and yeah. so very injury prone, but. But yeah, they were really good when Rasheed uh, was healthy. They I,
0: were really good. I loved that team. I mean, that's that's the last great Knicks team. Um, and great is maybe even an overstatement. But that team, just like yeah, they were ahead. They were ahead of their time. That was a team that was t- like I think leading the league or one of the league leaders yeah. in three points attempted. Um, had uh had a ton of ball movement and um and just was getting it from like all these like free agent signings that were like low, low dollar signings, like of players that were still good, even though they were a little past their prime, like Jason Kidd, Sheed right. Wallace, uh, Camby, uh, uh, Steve Novak. It was such a fun team. But, uh, yeah. so back to Melo. he, I mean, I, as a Knicks fan, I kind of always remember him as, Wanting to be the star of the show. And because he didn't have that second great player that he trusted, he was always trying to do hero ball. Um <laughs> and like he was he had no way of playing with Jeremy Lynn when Lynn Sanity started taking shape. Uh he wasn't he was just gonna do his thing no matter what the coaching was. Um so that's why I would not bring him back because I think Nick's gotta be in development mode. As, as long as they've been in development mode they've got to keep doing that and I don't think he'll be good for the development of young players
1: I think I mean you're you're absolutely right about his career and the way he was and the way it had to be about him like Lynn Sanity is a great example and mm. just any any opportunity again this is just like taking the money when he every time he had the chance yeah like it was definitely about it was definitely about him. I don't know if it, if he's that same guy today, um, like maybe he would be good for development, but I don't know. It definitely would not be the same. It would just be, it would definitely be a break from what he was, but I don't, I don't yeah. know that it's impossible. I, I don't yeah. know that he hasn't evolved because I think, I think he got, um, a, a big dose of humility with, with getting Houston. cut by multiple teams yeah. and spending almost a year completely out of the game. Or was he out for over a year?
0: I don't know. It was about a year. So it was actually, yeah, I guess it was Houston. And wait, was it OKC, then Houston?
1: It was OKC, then Houston. And then, well, it was Atlanta. Atlanta for a hot second. Then OKC, then Houston. And then Houston said, go home in like, God, November. Not November. maybe, Maybe November, maybe December. Like really early on. And then he didn't sign with Portland until partway into this past, this current season.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think he was out for almost a, yeah, yeah, almost a whole year. And that, I think that has to change somebody. And now I don't know that he's better because of it. And he's certainly nowhere near as talented as he once was. And the game has moved on. Right. Right. So you, you don't take him to, for wins. Like, definitely.
0: Uh, I mean, Portland was probably hoping he could help them win, get into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, he, there's no way he doesn't know that he's not as talented as he once was. I think there was mm-hmm. a period, like even during the OKC days where he thought he was still mellow oh, yeah. as far as talent goes. Oh,
1: me, me come off the bench. Yeah. Right? Like right. That, that, that whole thing. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The interesting thing is, will he learn that he can't be doing ISO ball and, uh, and that he's got, if he, he can't take long twos, you got to step back and take a three. But that's, I mean, that's coaching... That's uh mm mm-hmm. you know, product of his teammate i I don't care if he takes doesn't take the best shots as long as he's not just hogging the ball with when these like young guys are playing with him,
1: yeah, and that and I don't i mean I don't know i like yeah. I don't know what it takes to develop um like what the best thing is for developing young players, yeah, whether it's giving them more reps, whether it's setting a really strong example in the locker room, whether it's how things are done in practice but i know that it's traditionally been infrastructure yeah. that develops young players and you can't bring in like one person like whoever he is and expect that to you know make a big difference i mean someone like chris paul he's mm-hmm. he's done a lot like what they've done in oklahoma city with chris paul is pretty impressive but but Oklahoma City has a really good track record of developing players already.
0: Right. And as or had it been for a while like, well they were you know doing a teardown and clearly has shown that they have like a smart GM who right. knows what he's doing in co- sort of in, in terms of collecting assets. But yeah, I mean they they uh they kind of struck gold where Chris Paul is like still still good and they had a lot of mm-hmm. surrounding pieces and they were just very underestimated. Yeah, and I
1: think I think people like they credit Presty a lot for you know picking Russell and stuff like that, um, but I don't know that the organization gets as much credit because like the way it worked with um, so like with with Westbrook, he was raw coming mm-hmm. out of UCLA. Like the guy had just started playing point guard. Like he was yeah. he was an incredible athlete, but just. So raw, and they let him get his reps in at point guard, taking the losses, you know, got the next pick with Harden, developed Harden, like coming off the bench, Right, did all this stuff. I mean, it was, the picks were great. Obviously the Durant pick was a no brainer, but the other picks were great. But yeah, I think, I think just internally the, the coaching and all that was really good. Like Scotty Brooks may not have been the best big game coach when it came to some of the, you know, Westbrook Durant stuff, but I, yeah, I think they did a great job of developing, and I think that's that's such an infrastructure thing. And the Knicks are, God, they are not.
0: I know. Not there. I mean, that has been their mo for since since the Mellow trade is like we're one player. Let's just get us go star yeah. chasing, and so so now they have a new uh, president, basically their GM, but he's this official title is president of basketball operations, uh, Leon Rose, who. Mm-hmm. And a former, former agent. Former player agent. Um, so when that, when that first happened, when he was first announced as a new president, uh, it, my initial reaction was like just fear and disgust. Uh, mm-hmm. That like, oh no, they're going star chasing again, which still might be the mm-hmm. case. And they're thinking, you know, that oh, a CAA agent, he's going to have ties to all these players. He's going to convince them to come. However, this week, he hires uh, I don't know if you heard about this Brock Oller
1: no actually I, I haven't okay
0: so he was signed to be basically his right hand man um, and he was uh, he was the capologist for the Cleveland Cavaliers um, but which you know the, a team with I, I think he was there when they got LeBron and traded for traded for Kevin Love and they were able to kind of build that team and they were able to get other pieces there. Um, they did sign Tristan Thompson to a long deal. So decision-making, I don't know, but he, he's considered a very good, like I have seen write-ups of him before that he's considered a coveted, uh, front office piece. And it seems like it's actually a real signing towards building out an infrastructure. And this is actually a guy who, who's not, you know, they're not just trying to sign a name like Phil Jackson or mm-hmm. or or Jeff Van Gundy or something, and they're trying to actually build a good organization, which has just never been what the Knicks had, and that is the only way forward. Now, does that mean they're going to want to do a development year again? I'm guessing not, and then they're going to try to get some free agents, but uh, there are ways to go in between like that while still actually having a front office that understands the cap that understands analytics and we'll see who else they hire but i'm i'm tentatively excited about this
1: and i i mean i, I get that and i <laughs> i guess my concern right. my concern is just the the will to stick with it yeah right like that's that's the thing cause everyone can buy into the idea of a rebuild like right. oh yeah maybe we'll get the next, you know, Zion or whatever mm-hmm. in in the draft, and then we build around that guy. Then you don't get that transcendent player. Then you get okay. You get,
0: get Chil- you get <laughs>
1: right? You get Jahlil, and and so now you're like, okay, the rebuild all of a sudden got a lot less sexy because now you're gonna you're looking at several years, and mm-hmm. you don't have that one face to put on the season tickets. Or whatever, and now you're just like, and you're in a city where you're competing with kind of the Nets, mm-hmm. um, and it's just, yeah, I I love what they've done, and it sounds like this guy's a the right guy. Sounds to like he's hire. a good
0: capologist.
1: Yeah, um, but I just I I need to see them do stuff for you know a couple of years because an actual rebuild. I mean, it takes time to yeah. develop people and you have to have an organization that people want to first people want to work for, mm-hmm. right? Cause all of those, all of those people who are part of the, who are doing player development, those are all, you know, coaches, trainers, front office people, all those people can just leave and go to another team. They're not under like the same sort of contracts as the players. Yeah. Right. And so, and if it, Everything I hear is it's kind of a crappy organization to be part of on that side. Yeah. And that 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 sucks because then when there's no stability there, then you can't take the long view where you're like, yeah, this guy is this guy kind of is raw, but we can develop him yeah. and he's gonna be a great asset in a couple of years. Cause the best thing about the Knicks is that New York is a great place to be and play, right? Yeah. And so you wouldn't have to worry about developing someone and then have them jump to a big market
0: yeah that's right
1: like yeah and and so all but you have to actually develop somebody because otherwise you're just just you know trying to poach the next Giannis or whoever happens to be the next big free agent to leave a small market to go to a big one and that no matter what anytime you sign that guy you're just getting that guy and you're not getting the pieces around Mm -hmm. him to you know be successful long term. Yeah.
0: So It's also, I mean, as we saw this past off season, it's not a plan. I mean, <laughs> I I because I wanted to stick with development, I thought they should not sign a uh, a KD with a torn Achilles and a and a Kyrie who's oh, a walking cancer. But they wanted to, and it's defensible to what the Nets did and they struck out and that's why, like, you can't do something like trade Kristaps Porzingis away before you know, before you're ready to make those signings. And you can't uh, start clearing cap space again for Giannis or whoever when who knows if that's going to even happen. So you got to take the road like the Clippers did where they started really having a good team and had pieces around. And then when the time was right, they were ready to sign Paul George and make the big trade for Paul George and sign Hawaii. Um, Right. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, they just got it. Like That's what I want to see more than anything else. Um, uh, That doesn't mean they can't, if, uh, if there is a free agent this year, like one of the good free agents that's available that they may be able to get for a bargain is Fred Van Vliet. And I love Fred Van Fleet. Uh Wichita <sighs> State, baby. Uh, Wichita State Shockers. Uh, I, I would love to have him. So if, if the price is right, do it. Go with that signing. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to be like a, a to make a good signing and tie up some cap space if it's for the right price. Uh, but just they they cannot. I would be really upset if they made like a trade for Chris Paul. Or, or something even worse. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and that's a rumor. The Chris Paul, a Chris Paul I, trade.
1: I've, I've, yeah. I've heard the rumors about Chris Paul. I've heard Westbrook, things like that. Uh, too. Westbrook
0: would be even worse, I think.
1: Westbrook would be, yeah, that'd be a lot worse because you're not going to get the wins and you're not going to get the development of the young right. talent. I think at least Chris Paul, you know, with his veteran leadership and stuff, there would be some player yeah. development because there's real leadership there. Um, not that Westbrook isn't a leader. I don't. I mean, I don't know. But yeah. I'm just. But Chris Paul is definitely like doing what he's doing in OKC. I think has been the most impressive thing he's done in his career. That's from my perspective. I think. I think that's yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah, um, it really is. And it's now so, his contract, which was considered one of the worst in in the NBA. Not so bad. He's he's got two years left after this one. It's still a ton. But you could think at least next year he's still gonna start out being a really good player. Um and like I, if I'm OKC, I'm not sure I'm moving him.
1: I wouldn't if I were OKC, because yeah, I mean those contracts that look terrible when it's those those big money contracts are terrible when they're like four years or yeah. five years. Which but it was it at three. One point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go then ahead. Okay. Okay. So then, and then the two in that second to last year, like he's totally movable because he's basically an expiring right. the next year, and you're still getting if you're still getting some value out of him in that second to last year, that's that's good. And I think I think he's I think he would be a great fit. I I don't think they should go that way. Mm. I think it'd be better if they actually develop um, more young players and actually like he might lead to too many wins. It'd be nice to. Develop people and get some more losses and get another you know good young talent in from the draft. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it just because I feel like he would bring um, a certain amount of professionalism to the organization that has been lacking uh, for quite some time.
0: Right. And and, uh, I mean, one of the flaws of the Knicks is that they haven't had a really good point guard for a long time. I mean. Yeah. I don't even know. Greg Anthony? Yeah. Greg <laughs> Anthony. I like Greg Anthony. Yeah, yeah Anthony. sure. Charlie Ward. Charlie um, Ward. You know, uh, the last player that the Knicks, um, that they drafted in the first round and like signed to a full extension when his rookie contract was done? Do you know who that is?
1: Oh, God. Um,
0: no, I don't remember now. Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward. That long ago... Uh, which just shows that they've even though they've had a lot of bad seasons in a row uh it, they've never really committed to development just by just by seeing that they've not had a first round pick that they've then re-signed so mm-hmm. they got to just stick with it i mean a lot of draft picks are busts even when you're a good drafter you're going to you're going to have misses so it, that's why it can't be a one or two year rebuild it's got to be a multi year rebuild. So here's right, something. and that's and
1: that's that's my concern is that they just because the worst is to do the one year rebuild yeah. and then be like okay now we're not rebuilding so then you end up at the bottom and you can never climb all the way back out yeah you can only climb back out if you stayed low enough for a few years so that you collect the assets and build that winning culture if you just go down one year and then panic and then just sign a bunch of crappy free agents then you're back to maybe five hundred ball. And you know a seventh or eighth seed, and then you're just back in that mediocrity mix that just sucks. Yeah. So
0: yeah, we'll we'll know a lot uh, of how this new Leon Rose administration is going to run based on. I mean, there's a lot of decisions of uh, what players that they signed this past year. They signed a lot of one and ones of players who had a one year deal with a second year (laughs) option uh part, or partial guarantee. So I, I hope they they let a lot of them walk and just start going with the young guys.
1: Yeah, and I like the one on ones. Like those yeah. are those are smart contracts.
0: They are and what I was there, initially happy with those, but it turns out like something I underestimated was the fact that uh a lot of those players on one and ones were because they were on only one year deals, they were playing for their next contract and were Kind of oh, yeah trying to, playing time, yeah. and they're trying to like make it about them like Alfred Payton is like he's an example of decent player, like he could be a backup point guard on some team uh but if you're trying to develop young guys, he is not the point guard you want running that offense no
1: that's that's fair that's yeah, yeah that's the that's the downside to
0: yeah to it's all contract. that yeah. um so uh unless they keep Mike Miller, which is possible, but I doubt it. They're going to need a new coach. Um, one of the rumors, or the three that I've kind of heard been bounced around are uh, Kenny Atkinson, former Nets coach. Um, he was, I thought I thought he was good. He did a good job. I, I would be very happy with him as the hire. Uh, he, he turned them into a modern offense, and it seems like he developed players well, between like Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levert. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who I love him. Uh, I think it's a, it's a star chasing hire where it's just like, oh, Jeff Van Gundy, we're bringing back the 99 team. And, uh, Tom Thibodeau, very, uh, controversial Tom Thibodeau, who... I would be okay with a Tom Thibodeau signing as long as the front office like gave a mandate for how many minutes you're allowed to play the young players. Other than that, I think he'd be a good coach.
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the NBA has caught up to Thibodeau a little bit, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and I haven't been that impressed at his most recent stops. Um, but I do like, I do like him for young players in terms of, you know, discipline and, you know, kind of working them hard defense and all that. But yeah, I, you can't play 48 minutes a game or whatever. Like this his that stuff was that stuff was crazy. I would love those three. I would choose Atkinson first, mm. like far and away. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the I don't think there's any chance that Jeff Van Gundy takes that job. Like yeah. it is such a cushy job, like being the like guy in the on, on the on the cherry broadcast. Like it, he gets all the best games mm-hmm. and just it is night and day difference in terms of stress level and all that. Like I love Van Gundy. You know, I was living in um, down in Houston and oh, yeah. that area when he was coaching the Rockets. Um, I thought he did a great job there. Um, I thought he was, you know, great with the Knicks and, but now I would, I would <laughs> say, I think, I think, I think the game has, you know, passed. it's caught up to Thibodeau and it's past Van Gundy, Van yeah. Gundy by. Yeah. I, I think it's no way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Stan, Stan maybe, but I don't think Stan. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think Stan. Yeah. will do it either. And, the other thing about Thibodeau is you cannot give him any front office responsibilities. Right. He has not done anything with anything good with his front office work.
0: Yeah, um, and he wouldn't have that in whatever new deal he has. Um, I, I don't know if he's if the game if he's into the modern offenses of uh, you know spread offenses, stretch fours. It seems like he did it a little bit in Minnesota. But yeah, I mean his problem is was always with just players and um, unless you're Jimmy Butler, you kind of hate him
1: <laughs> yeah and and I'm okay if you if you're not with the modern offense if you can get everyone to play defense yeah because that is also a path it's not as sexy a path, but honestly it's an easier path to win with if you don't have the talent and I feel yeah. like, the talent um, is maybe not all there yet for the right for the Knicks.
0: Also, uh, Thibodeau, he was announcing for FIBA uh, during twenty the summer of twenty nineteen, and uh, I think it was during the like France USA game. He was he was doing color announcement and he was raving about uh, Nilakina. So that <laughs> the one because like, I, I I'm a frank truther. So. Uh, <laughs> I would just love a coach who like had his back and was willing to give him the minutes um yeah,
1: and that's a and that's a guy and that's a guy who who works hard on defense yeah, like and I mean he's he's you know somewhat limited offensively, but he can get better. yeah, like you've seen so many players over the years like think about Bruce Bowen, mm-hmm. you know, adding a, a corner three yeah and all these guys who can who can do different things. I mean it's alright to be limited on offense if you work hard on defense and then if you understand your limitations on offense and the coach and the players around you understand them and and use them. Like that's good organizations do that. The Spurs are, you know, great at that.
0: Oh yeah. Where did I see this with the Spurs? I was I was listening to some oh I was listening to someone from the athletic talking about like what uh stats uh they like to look at for judging how good a player is and there's no perfect stat because it's all contextual. So when he was talking mm-hmm. about it, it, was like a real adjusted plus minus, and um, uh, so he was saying with the Spurs, there was these years where one of the best, I think it was Matt Bonner. Is that correct? Matt Bonner could be, yeah. could be Matt Bonner. He was just like a stretch four kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I may have the player wrong, but I think it was Matt Bonner was was like always near the top in real adjusted plus minus and it's like well, come on he's good but he can't be the the one of the best players in the NBA <laughs> right. and he was saying that like Bonner was really great at uh you know hitting threes and he was terrible defensively against like against like in Bigs who play inside, but not so bad if like if the team didn't have that kind of bruising big. So Pop would only play him against those types of centers, and if they brought in, uh, you know someone like Shaq, I, I don't know who else, uh, during that time, uh, right. Then Pop would take him out. So he was only putting him in the situations where he would excel, which is why his adjusted plus-minus was so good and it just goes to the point like good organizations understand your strengths and and a good coach will understand your strengths and do that.
1: Right, and they also develop your weaknesses a yeah. little bit too. Like the like the like Bruce Bowen adding the the corner three yeah. like that was a developed thing. Turned and him into... them also Kawhi developing his shot. Yeah. Um having a
0: shooting coach like that is part of being a good organization. So Yeah,
1: and that's that's the thing, and I and I love I love that they've made a couple of right moves. Yeah, right. I I'm so excited. I would love nothing more than to see the Knicks win a championship because the because the you know New York championship drought since I moved here like I'm the, the John Blue curse has yeah. continued.
0: Right. Because basically,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. I I mean, because you came here Giants after the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, the Giants won the Super Bowl in February of 2012, and then I moved here in. Uh, September
0: of 2012. And so you missed Linsanity as well.
1: I was, I was, yeah, I was following Linsanity yeah, yeah. closely from uh, Seattle lot, but uh, that, I missed that. Loved it from afar.
0: Oh, it was so great. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be, MSG is going to be playing, uh, going through the Linsanity games next week. Oh, I'm God. so excited. That for Toronto? That. Oh, the, yeah. The Toronto
1: game. Oh, all yeah. time.
0: Yeah, I think that's the that was where it was that's I mean that was like the perfect example of how special insanity was and how crazy it was like of catching lightning in bottle where Lynn was just putting up incredible numbers and had a game winning shot like that. It it felt like just magic that it was something otherworldly happening and then it was as short as it as quickly as it came it just fell apart. Yeah, so they're probably not showing
1: the heat game. The heat game now. Right. Yeah, or the games <laughs> where he got
0: injured or what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So, so yeah, it's been... I mean, New York used to win championships every... Not not the Knicks, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, you yeah, know, there used to be a lot of championships, a yeah. few Giants here and there, the Some Yankees, Yankees winning all the time. And now it's been like nothing since I moved yeah. here. And of all the New York teams, yeah, I would most like to see the Knicks win. And that, that would just be the best. So I'm loving the the good moves, but man, I am just I'm just jaded. Yeah. I'm not I, I just I don't know. I'm
0: I think I'm I'm with you where it's you gotta assume this front office is going to be stupid until proven otherwise. So the good move the right. hires are good. Uh they gotta they gotta keep keep making smart moves for at least another year or two before I could relax or we could assume that they're on the right track.
1: Right, and then you build up that um, that sort of virtuous cycle where people see, oh, this organization mm-hmm. makes good moves. This is an organization I want to work for, or an organization I want to play for, yeah. or whatever. And it's like, and people make the choice because the Knicks organization is good, not just because MSG is the yeah. you know greatest arena, or they really want the New York lifestyle, or whatever. Like, because those things are great, and they're bonuses, but I would. You know, it's I would not rather build an it's organization amazing, yeah. that yeah. people want to come to. Yeah, yeah.
0: and then that's going to make Kyrie be like, "Hey, KD, let's not go to Brooklyn. Let's go to this great organization called the New York Knicks."
1: I would hate that, <laughs> unless <laughs> unless I'm saying uh, as I, an example. Uh, I I'm I'm so over Kyrie. Oh yeah, like I think I I honestly think his days as a max player are. They they might yeah. be done. I mean, I think
0: I uh, it, it it might turn out to be a bad signing by Brooklyn. Uh, Katie, ah. we'll see what Katie's like next year. Kyrie's ruins that team. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, got Kenny Atkinson fired, who was a good coach. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's probably going to trade. Want them to trade away Levert or some other good young talent for, uh, for a third star. Uh, and they forced them to sign DeAndre Jordan for four years. Who's exactly. To play. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and so so like that to me is worse than anything like Melo ever did.
0: Oh yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And and so and now, granted, Kyrie hit a game-winning three-pointer, a finals-winning three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Like that was epic. And he is an incredible one-on-one talent. Amazing handle. Um, when he tries on defense, he can be, you know, decent on that end as well. Like I, that that's all that's all fine. I'll, I'll give him all that, but I mean, he is just toxic within an organization, yeah. and that that act has got to wear thin eventually. Like I get it that Cleveland was like, okay, Boston's like, okay, he's not happy in Cleveland. All right, we'll we'll take him, and then New yeah. Jersey's like, well, or I mean, not New Jersey, excuse me, Brooklyn. Was like, oh, he's not happy in Boston. We'll take him. At some point, someone's got to say, look, the guy's not happy.
0: Yeah, (laughs) he's just not a happy person.
1: And and so so I'm not giving him a max contract. Right. If he's even if he's bringing Kevin Durant with him, because at this point, Kevin, you know, by the time his next contract comes up, Kevin Durant's not going to be that prime of a free agent. He'll be in
0: his mid 30s by then.
1: Yeah. So. No, I don't think I. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie's next deal isn't max. He's also got this ridiculous injury history.
0: He now. does absolutely. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I, I. think him and KD, if KD stays healthy and Kyrie stays relatively healthy, they'll be good next year. Uh, but if you're like choosing a twosome to like try to go after a championship, I. I, I don't think they'll get it done. The way no, I, think I, I don't
1: think they'll get it done because I don't think they're enough yeah. um, at this point. You know, KD pre Achilles. Um, and Kyrie, without all the injuries, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you just get a couple other good players around him and they're, they're enough. But no, I don't yeah. think just the two of them in the state they're going to be in next year. Yeah. yeah.
0: So good job of the Knicks in not signing them. Bad job for wanting to sign them and, fail, and fail <laughs> them. I, I know. Yeah. And they don't get cut. Yeah. That. Uh, I guess before we go, uh, NFL draft last night, do you you follow NFL at all these days?
1: I don't really watch a lot. I watch the, I'll watch the playoffs. Yeah. I don't watch it weekly. I used to be like, you know, three games Sunday and then the Monday night game. I mean, I have like four full games every week. Mm I think I was pretty hardcore, but now, um, I don't watch too much. I do, you know, I root for the hometown chiefs.
0: That yep, near the New word. York Chiefs. I grew up near there, oh, okay. and Mahomes
1: is just—he's nuts. He's—he's he's awesome to watch. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: he's a transcendent talent.
1: Um, but I do—I mean, I, I pull for the Giants. I—I yeah. I, I want them to do good things. Um, it looks like their draft was a little shaky. I don't know. They got—they got, they got a tackle who may or may not have. Been a real value at four. Yeah, um,
0: I think there were, uh, and and the Jets also took an offensive tackle with their first pick. Yeah, there were a few um, tackles. I mean, most people's big boards didn't. They took Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Did not have him number one as as the of offensive tackles available. But I, I think uh, some people said that it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if he wound up being the best of those tackles that were drafted. Right. It's right. kind of, yeah. it, you just have to kind of rely on your scouting there. So I have no idea if they took the right one, but uh, I appreciate it. if that's who they thought was the best, you got to do it.
1: I, I agree. And I'm all about, you know, taking the tackles and whatever yeah. and the offensive linemen in the, in the early first round because those guys can be like forever yeah. guys. Yeah. Um. But now I think the, the guy of this draft, I think that's Chase Young. Yeah. I think Chase, I think uh, I was, you know, during last college football season, um, I was watching Chase Young and I was like, man, and thinking where, you know, the giants were losing all these games. I was like, maybe there's a chance. Mm. That's who I really wanted them to, to get. And that would have been great. Yeah. I uh, because if you you know when you watch if you watch the playoffs last year and watched how good Bosa was and how impactful he was in those games Mm -hmm. and man I think I think Chase Young could be that and more Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think Joe Burrow is going to be fine but I don't know the best quarterback I think is Tua Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of I'm glad the Dolphins went with him. Yeah, um, I used to root for the Dolphins. I was a big Dolphins uh-huh. fan when I was a kid, and just Dan Marino. Yeah, and and so I would I would love it if you know he stays healthy and is able to you know have a good career there. Yeah, because yeah he's had some bad luck injuries. Too. Yeah,
0: uh, I mean he's had a lot of injuries through his college career, and um, uh, yeah, I've read in a bunch of places people saying that if he didn't have the health issues, he'd probably be the consensus number one pick.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah and for was, his safety. he sake. was the consensus even with his injuries before the last one like he's had the, he had the two ankle injuries uh, uh, before he like broke his hip or whatever he was still going to be the you know they were saying Tanking for Tua was <laughs> the thing last year and and so you know he still only dropped to number 5 um I think he'll be great yeah. I think he will be really really good um and uh, the rest of the guys I don't know did in Detroit took like a cornerback in at thir- yeah, uh, that, three, that, yeah, he's, he's supposedly good, but I'm just like, wow, yeah, that blows my mind.
0: Yeah, but, man, yeah, uh, giants might have been better served trading down, get like I, I think so because they could have still so, gotten a good offensive tackle or like a rounds where the Jets did. So, good for the giants, you could have gotten even, yeah, even yeah, long. exactly.
1: Yeah. But I don't know if the trades were on the table, I don't know if these GMs mm. like. I think they were struggling a little bit with, <laughs> with their the internet remoteness, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but I I mean I'm hopeful. They've got some the Giants have some young talent. I think that um they can just, you know, put it together. It would be yeah. great. if, if this tackle's good
0: and good. Daniel Jones continues to develop, maybe we'll get mm-hmm. back to New York winning championships again.
1: Oh, God, that would be yeah. that would be great. Oh, you know, we'll we'll go hang out in the Canyon of Heroes together and watch a yeah. watch a parade. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, right after the parade for the the medical workers, right? <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> New, New, New York just can't get a winner. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. This was a good time. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank
1: uh, you. Thank you, Larry. A yeah. Pleasure.
0: Thank you, John Blue. Um, anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here?
1: Um, just the Thursday after class jam, yeah. I would love, you know, when it comes back, I, that's not an if that's a, that's, that's a, win. a win. I would love it if, um, we were having, we had some great, great crowds right mm-hmm. before all this thing, this whole thing broke, you know, 50 to 60 plus, uh, nights and, and it was crazy and it was just the best place to be doing improv yeah. in all of New York. And I would, I would just love it if people can help bring that back. Yeah, when, we're, when when we're done, when everyone feels safe being in a crowd again, mm-hmm. I think it'll be, um, yeah, yeah, life this, will be better when we have that back.
0: Yeah, all this pent up desire to do live improv at ten thirty exactly. on Thursday at the Pit Loft. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get there again. All right. Thanks, John. Uh, Of course, I am at Larry the Athlete on all social. You should subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. Tell your parents. Uh, Thank you, and have a good night.